So um, this summer we've been going through a, a series called Proverbs That Make Sense. And this morning, actually, we've got uh, our preaching intern, Steve Bill, sharing with us. So give it up for Steve. Well, thanks. And uh, so, yes, we are doing this series, um, Proverbs That Make Sense. And uh, so Chris has been doing most of them. I've done a couple. Um, taking just different Proverbs uh, from Solomon's writings in the Old Testament and kind of expounding on them and finding application, finding the wisdom that is in those Proverbs and applying that to our lives. And, uh, and so it's been a really good series. I don't know about you, but I've really been enjoying it. And so I hope we can kind of uh, just keep going this morning. Um, I spent the last couple of days on a fishing trip with some of my closest friends, and it inspired me uh, to speak this morning about the topic of friendship. And um, Proverbs has a lot to speak about, a lot to teach us on what a good friendship is, on, on practicing the art of friendship. And so uh, this morning, I'm going to title this message, The Art of Friendship and Practicing It Well. So it's a simple idea, a simple concept, and there's lots of just really good nuggets of truth and, and wisdom that the book of Proverbs has to share and, and, and encourage us in our friendship. And, and I think this is an important topic because it seems in our world that we have lost um, a lot of the art of friendship uh, in our relationships. We talk about uh, things like Facebook and how it has kind of come along and, and almost redefined what the word friend means, hasn't it? Right? It's it sort of diluted the, the meaning of friendship. Basically, you meet someone at a party or, or a work gathering or whatever, and then you go home and you friend them on Facebook. Well, that's not really a friend. That's not the way the Proverbs speaks of friends. It doesn't mention Facebook in Proverbs, believe it or not. Um, or, or if you think about it, the way our culture has been working in the last who knows how many years, but this idea that we have to keep gaining, 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 and moving up, you know, the corporate ladder, or, or we have to constantly be pursuing success. And, and for us to do that, um, a lot of us tend to use other people for our own personal gains. And so um, our friendships then come with an agenda of how is this person going to help me advance in my career? Or how is this uh, individual going to help me move ahead. And so that's what a lot of friendships are based on. But, but that's not friendship either. That, that's more networking. right? Networking is like friendship, except there's no um, emotional investment in it. There's just the relationship of um, how are we going to help each other out here. And it's very personal um, interest, very self-centered. Um, we were at... Uh, um, a networking, a, a speed networking event a couple years ago. Has anyone ever been to a speed networking event? Nadia has, of course, because she does. <laughs> she does a lot of uh, networking, which is great. Uh, and it's a really neat event. There's, I don't know, about, let's say, 50 people, and 25 of you sit on one side of a table, and you just stay stationary. And then the other 25 sit on the other side, and every, like, I don't know, like three minutes or so, three or four minutes, um, you switch. And so that outside row, they just move on to the next person, and then you have three to five minutes to basically just share, and it's, but it's a really awkward, um, it's a really awkward encounter, and if you've ever, ha if you've ever engaged in social network or speed networking, you'll know that it's, it can be weird, at, at least it was for me, because you know that you were there very intentionally for the purpose of finding out what this person sitting across from the table has to offer you, what he or she can give you, what he or she can offer you to make your business succeed better, right? That's the purpose of it. But we're not 
keen to admit that because it sounds kind of shallow. And so what we do is we spend half the time making small talk with this person across the room. We only have a, or across the table. We only have a few minutes. And so we say, uh, oh, yeah, you know, so you're from Thunder Bay. You've been here long? Good. What's your family like? And, and so we make all this small talk and we feign interest in them. But really, we're only there to find out how they're going to benefit us. And so then the last 30 seconds, we're like, okay, so what is it that you do? And what can I do to, you know, get ahead, basically, based on what you do? Um, and, and that's kind of what speed networking is. That, but that's kind of the, the nature of networking in general. And, and for a lot of us, a lot of us, this is the extent of what friendships are like. For many people, this is all they expect in their relationships with other people. You know, this, this is all they know. That networking has become the new friendship in our world. And it's sad. It's sad because the, the Bible has all sorts of amazing things to say about the benefits and the value of lasting friendships and meaningful friendships. It's a very, very important component in this world, in making in this world. In fact, I would argue that meaningful friendships, friendships um, with those around us that we care about, are integral to surviving in this world. Especially for Christians. I would say, having brothers and sisters in Jesus who can help us along in our journey, in our faith journey. That is so important for the Christian. See, friendships and relationships that are self-serving, that are motivated by personal gain and interest, is not the kind of friendship that Proverbs speaks of is worthy of pursuing. Those kind of relationships you would find maybe promoted in, you know, self-help books or, um, you know, financial books on how to make your business succeed or, you know, how to step up in the corporate ladder or whatever. Those kind of books would promote this kind of networking, you know, what is it that I can gain from this uh, relationship with this person? And that's fine. If both parties are fully aware of what that relationship is in all in belt, then I say go ahead and network till your heart's content. But if we exchange networking for friendship, for meaningful, selfless friendships, friendships that are not focused on our own self-interest. If, if we're willing to, to exchange that, then I think we've lost something really important. And, and there is enough hardships and, and tough times in our world that we have to get by, um, that we have to endure, that to have just a networking acquaintance is not going to cut it. We need those kind of deep and meaningful friendships. And so a friend in the book of Proverbs is someone who walks with us, someone who acts as a pillar in our lives, who is um, by our side through thick and thin, someone who in the moment, in the heart, you know, when crisis hits and when tough times come is not about to bail. That's the way that the book of Proverbs describes um, a friendship or what a friend looks like. And so when friendship is thoughtful and when it's intentional and when it's selfless, then it's one of the most beautiful things you can behold and if you've ever experienced that, that kind of friendship with someone, you'll know that what I'm saying is true. I'll give you an example. When um, Rhonda was pregnant with Graham, our second child, um, we were in the midst of renovations in our house. And I am not a guy to do renovations. If you ever need help in your house, do not call me up. But uh, we had, I had more or less taken on this challenge of renovating our entire kitchen. And so our kitchen was gutted. Our upstairs was just bare. And she decides to go into labor two weeks early. And so all of our, 
all of our appliances and our cupboards and our sinks and everything that would make up the upstairs, the kitchen, was sitting under a tarp in the middle of our living room. And Rhonda goes into labor. And in my mind, and I'm sure even in hers, despite the fact that she was going through this physiological thing called labor, um, we were thinking, oh, what are we going to do? We're going to have to come home to this construction site. It's going to be terrible. You know, we have a two-year-old and we have a newborn, and we had to bring that in. And so we spent a couple of days in the hospital. But here's what happened. A group of friends of ours, they uh, took it upon themselves to come into our house. They broke into our house. And they finished our kitchen. They worked all night and all day the next day, just busting their butts. Sorry. <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to say that. They're working hard, and they got it done. And so when we walked into the house with our newborn in hand, our jaws dropped, and tears welled up inside. And, you know, like, how do you explain that? Like, who does that? Well, friends do that. And, and so it's this beautiful, amazing gesture that when the art of friendship is practiced well, it's beautiful to behold. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? Yeah. Good. And so the book of Proverbs teaches us all sorts of stuff about friendship. Let's take a look at this, a few of these verses this morning. Proverbs 17, 17. We're going to put that up. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. When, when I used to read this verse, and maybe you're the same as me, I, I thought these were, these were opposites. I, I always read it like, a friend loves at all times, but a brother is there to make your life a challenge. He's there to aggravate you. He's there to cause strife. How many other people read it this way? But yeah, exactly, right? The translations need to get their acts together. Um, but if you go through... Uh, you know, different, different translations, you actually see that this isn't the case. Um, that both a brother and a friend are actually synonymous in this verse. A friend who is like a brother will love you always, and they will be there when adversity strikes. In fact, they were born for adversity so they could be there to meet that. That's a powerful verse. A friend or a brother, someone who is like a brother, is there when things go south. That's what they were born for. That's what they were there for. It's a powerful statement. When your wife goes into labor and you've got a, a construction site on your, on your, home, on your uh, hands that needs to be taken care of, your friends are there to help you out, right? When crisis comes into your life, a brother or, or a friend says, I was born for this moment. I was born to be by your side in this time of difficulty. When I was in grade 7, um, my older brother was in grade nine. And I'll tell you something. When we were kids, we didn't get along very well. We had a very tumultuous relationship. And it was just in the last couple of years that our friendship has kind of developed. But as kids, um, I was living up north in Rankin Inlet. I, I think I've mentioned that in the past. A small town of 1,800 people. And it was a very new environment for us. And so we were, I was at school, and there was this kid. He was in grade six. And he should have been probably in first or second year university, I think. Um, but he was a bully. And the typical school bully would always taunt me and always say, you know, call me names and make all sorts of uh, jokes about me or whatever in the bathroom and whenever I saw him in the hallway. And he's always, like, taunting me to try to fight him or whatever. And I was like, I don't want to fight you. And then finally it got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm going to fight you. And so, so I said, uh, okay, I've had enough. You and me, after soccer practice today, let's go at the 
the playground. Total stereotypical fight. He said, oh, okay. He laughed. And then um, I said, great. And so then I started um, shaking my boots the rest of the day because I had to fight this guy. And I don't have a perfect memory. This is a long time ago. So he was, I think, around 6'8", and he was about 360 pounds. But it could have been 340. And I don't exactly remember. And that's not the point, really. The point is we got into this fight, and I've never fought before, and I haven't fought since. Um, but we got into this fight. I was in grade 7, and I didn't know that there were unspoken rules about fighting, that you don't kick and scratch. You don't do that. So I just kicked and scratched him, and I just prayed to God that he would feel the wrath that I was <laughs> delivering to him. And it took about 20 seconds to realize that I was a complete idiot, and this massive man full-grown adult, was sitting on my chest, and he was pummeling my face. It, like, I was just getting the snot kicked out of me. And then who should arrive on the scene? And I don't even know, I can't even remember how he got there, but my brother Mike comes on the scene and acts like a hero. And it, it gets choke, chokes me up, and I just think about it now. But he just, he kicks him off me, and then he, you know, throws down some mean, brotherly hatred on the guy. Um, and then he, he, he um, says some words that I, I won't repeat. And the guy, you know, the Goliath just kind of runs away. Um, and I had a couple of black eyes, but it could have been a lot worse. See, my brother was born for adversity, my adversity in that moment. And it was pretty powerful. So rule number one of friendship is loyalty. Proverbs is pretty big on loyalty. Proverbs 3, 3 uh, to 4 says, never let loyalty and kindness get away from you. Wear them like a necklace. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will gain a good reputation. It's, it's one of those virtues that gets noticed by both God and people. It's a required virtue in any relationship of trust, loyalty. Now, if you're like me, when you hear this, your immediate response is to start making a mental checklist of those friends in your life who you can go to, who you know are loyal. But that's not the point. That's, that's the networking mentality again. Like, okay, how can this person, you know, serve me in some way? How can I go to this person and benefit in some capacity? You know, instead, I want us to be thinking, what are we like in our relationships, in our friendships? What, what are we like in how we interact with other people? Are we loyal friends? You know, do, do we need to work on our commitment to these people in my life, in our lives, who we call friends? You know, do they see me as being there when, when there's smooth sailing, but the first to bail when trouble comes? How do we act as loyal friends to those around us? So everything we say this morning is, is not to, you know, make a list of see who in my life can I think of, to, to make this applicable to, but rather, what are we like? What is our character like? How do we um, handle friendships? How are we practicing the art of friendship? Are we doing it well? And so when we read Proverbs 7, 17, 17, that a friend loves at all time and a brother is born for adversity, we should be thinking, okay, how do we respond to crisis and adversity faced by those around us? Do we bail or, or do we stick it out no matter what happens? Because that's what loyalty demands. And if you flip to the next chapter, um, verse, chapter 18, verse 24, 
It says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The NASB says, a man of too many friends comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer to, than a brother. So the NIV says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. NASB says, a man of too many friends comes to ruin. They, they basically are the same thing. If, if you were to juxtapose the, the NIV and the NASB versions, we can see that one translation shows unreliable friends, another too many friends. In other words, if you have a lot of friends, a lot of people in your life who you might be buddy-buddy with, but you wouldn't necessarily call on in the, in the moments of hard times or whatever, the NIV says they might be considered unreliable friends. It, it's better to have just a few who you know have your back than have a whole pile of friends who you really aren't sure where they stand. That's what Proverbs seems to be saying. Whether you realize it or not, you were designed to be loyal to those who you call your friends. And it's only self-interest and it's only fear that causes us to actually bail on someone in the moment of need. How, how is this going to hurt me? You know, what kind of strain is this going to have on me? You know, how am I going to look at the outset of all this? What kind of reputation will I have after this incident is gone and blown over? You know, those questions in a, in a relationship that is um, centered on loyalty don't even enter the scene. They don't even come on the radar. But here's the thing. Loyalty costs something. Loyalty requires sacrifice. But it, it's something we're all too willing to give up to for our friends, aren't we? It, it's something we're willing to let go of because our friends are worth that. That's the nature of loyalty. I, I'm a fortunate man, and I have had some solid friends in my life who um, I have you know, who are closer than a brother, and I have known them my entire lives. And this last week, I was saying that we went on a fishing trip. And so we went to the Slate Islands. Anyone been to the Slate Islands before? Yeah, it's beautiful, phenomenal. The fishing apparently is amazing. But we caught one lake trout between the three of us. And we were there for, you know, a day and a half, two days. And we spent about 80% of our time in the water, with our lines in the water. So we were pretty aggravated, but we just kind of chalked it up to, well, this wasn't primarily a fishing trip. This was a fellowship trip. And that kind of helped us get over it. But the truth was, we sucked at fishing. And so, um, but my buddy caught the fish. And it was like a two or three pound fish. It wasn't big. And, um, but it was enough to give us a taste and to inspire us to keep fishing. And so we went back to camp. We cooked it up. And, or he cooked it up. He filleted it. He did everything. And then he cut it up. And he put it on three plates. And then he took the smallest plate of fish which I know is, like, it's a really small and it's a simple act of loyalty. But what that did was it communicated to his friends, like, hey, I'm willing to take, I'm willing to sacrifice something, the piece of trout, for my friends because you're worth it, because you're my friends and I value you. And so those kind of gestures, those small acts of gestures repeated over and over and over again communicate very powerfully a person's character in the context of a relationship. And my buddy has a very good reputation as being a loyal person because of those kind of moves. And like I said, it wasn't a huge deal, but it was just a small little thing that like, he doesn't even think twice about doing. He's like, oh yeah, you guys take this. And I said, well, shouldn't you have the bigger piece? He goes, no, 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 don't worry about it. You have it. Okay, I will. I like trout. It was good. See, Proverbs 3 again says, Never let loyalty and kindness get away from you. Wear them like a necklace. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will gain a good reputation. My buddy has a good reputation. 
And it comes from moments like this. So how are you doing with loyalty in your relationships with people? How do you show selflessness toward those you care about most, those you call your friends? And so the first thing is loyalty. But then another thing is that a good friend, someone who practices the art of friendship well, will be a good influence on us. They will be a good influence on us. Someone who is going to impact you in a positive, life-affirming way. They bring life into your life. And this can be done so many ways and at any age of the game. But I think it's most important in those teenage years. And if those of you who have teenagers can probably vouch for this. We've heard stories, you've all heard stories of people who have just like this amazing upbringing. They have a healthy home, uh, loving parents, loving family. They're good throughout school and everything. But then somehow they choose a path of self-destruction in life. And you're like, what on earth? How did they go wrong? Well, most of the time, I would say, in those instances, it's because of the people that are, the, that are hanging around, they're hanging around in high school. The negative influences that are from their friends in school. Would you agree? Yeah, those, those are the kinds of people that are not the kinds of friends that Proverbs says we should be pursuing. And I, and I think that's most important in the teenage years. Proverbs um, oh, sorry, before I say that, I, I would say I know of people personally who made those kind of decisions in high school, who made those decisions um, to follow the wrong crowd, to get involved with the wrong crowd, and then they suffer for it in their 20s and their 30s and even beyond. So those decisions made in those early years actually have an impact on the rest of your life. They can make it a tumultuous ride, a difficult ride. And so Proverbs 22, uh, verses 24 to 25 says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. See, the Bible warns us about who we associate with. What kind of people are we allowing ourselves to be influenced by? Telling us that when we associate with someone who, say, is given to anger quickly, or maybe they're bent on wrath, or they just have this inclination toward evil, whatever it is, that, that we have the tendency to be ensnared by that and to follow in the same footsteps. These kind of friends are not having a good influence on us. And the Bible says stay away from those kind of people. It's not, anger, it's not only anger that can influence us. The biggest one here is the issue of gossip. Because gossip brings everyone down, whether um, we, we think about it, or sorry, whether we realize it or not in the moment. When we start talking about others, we quickly lose our own footing and our positive influence that we might have had. And, and Proverbs warns over and over and over again about co- gossip and its consequences. It realizes just the poison that c- gossip is. Proverbs 20.19 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. 16.28 says, a perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. So gossip at its core is talking about other people, and usually it's talking negatively about other people. But a good friend goes around, and instead of talking trash about them, behind their back, they're building that person up. That's what a good friend does. You know, they're aware of your faults, they're aware of the things that you might be lacking in that, but they choose to talk to other people about you in a positive light. That is life-affirming. That is good. And how many of us know people who do that very often, who go around and 
speak positively about other people. Because it's so rare in our society, right? It's so rare that when we see it, you know, our, our culture is, is one of which we expect gossip, expect people talking trash about other people when they're not around. That's kind of the way that we are, are, are leaning. And, and yet, when we see those people who don't do that, when we see those people who go out of their way and actually start saying positive things about other people behind their back and just building them up, it stands out. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a life-affirming. It's respectful to that person. It's something we should be practicing. And, and I think about, like, um, situations in my own life. And I'll tell you this story quickly, and I know we're running low here on time. Um, but my girlfriend, about a mu- or my wife, <laughs> my girlfriend, my wife, uh, a few a few weeks ago or a month ago, had a girlfriend over, uh, a couple of girlfriends over, and um, they were chatting or whatever in the kitchen, and, and I started ca- coming in, and I started telling a story about someone, and, and this person has completely no relationship to anyone at the table, um, but I started talking about it, and it was not a negative thing necessarily, it was just like, this is what's happening in this person's life, and there was no need for them to hear that, you know, there was no like, reason that that had to be shared but it was juicy and it was kind of like "Ooh, this is good and so it felt good to share and then one of the friends said didn't you like should you be saying that didn't you speak about something like that in church not too long ago and she said it in that very like light-hearted kind of comedic way or humorous way and it just stung though and I was like uh, yeah but I, in the moment I you know responded with some sort of like tongue-in-cheek joke and then I kind of went on my way and it didn't cause any last impression, but you know how sometimes conversations just stick with you? Well, this one kind of did, and, and so I, um, I thought about it after, and it just, you know, it made me think, like, okay, those are choices in conversation that I can go the other way. I don't have to engage in that. I don't have to be talking about other people, and it was just a simple thing, and so I, I share that story, um, not to tell you necessarily that I struggle with gossip, which is, you know, it's true, I do sometimes, but because it shows how this friend was a good influence in that moment. How someone who in that moment was being a good friend, practicing this art of friendship well in that context, and they were able to offer correction, a rebuke on something without making me feel like a complete tool. And, and so that's a gift. When someone can do that in the context of friendship, we should be excited, we should be welcoming that, we should be embracing that. And this leads to our third area, and I realize my time is very short now. Um, last two Sundays I spoke, I, to- I spoke about correction, and so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But Proverbs is very clear about the role of a good friend. Someone who practices the art of friendship well has the very clear ability to provide correction and to speak truth into someone's life when they need to hear it. And there's no safer place to receive correction and theoretically to give correction than within the confines of a trust-based friendship. And there are three Proverbs I want to share quickly. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. 27, 9 says, The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. And 27.17 says, iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I love that verse. In other words, a healthy friendship, someone who is practicing the art of friendship well, is someone who is able to, when they see their friend going astray, making a mistake, you know, going down the wrong path, doing something ungodly, not pursuing Jesus, when they see that, they're able to stop them in their tracks and say, listen, buddy, 
what you're doing here, this isn't cool. You need to stop this. That's what a friend can offer. And the wisdom of Proverbs tells us that seeking counsel, seeking correction, a willingness to be rebuked from friends is something that we are to welcome and to embrace, that it is as sweet as perfume and incense. And iron sharpens iron. This can be applied to all areas of our lives, whether what it is that we're saying, how it is that we're living, what it is that we believe about our faith, about our God. These areas all are constantly in need of being sharpened and constantly in need of being corrected. And who better to receive that correction from than trusted friends? And so the, there is a very real... Um, a very important, I suppose, um, aspect to true friendship, and that is this ability, this willingness to offer correction in love, to offer rebuke when it needs to be given, and to be willing to be changed in that. So everything that Proverbs says about friendship and how to be a good friend are, are really just principles that teach us about God's character and his relationship to us. So we spoke about loyalty, the loyalty that demands sacrifice. Loyalty costs something. The gospel proclaims that Jesus, fully aware of our faults, fully aware of where we are in this world, full of the mistakes, the brokenness, the sin that we come with, all that baggage, he takes it upon himself. That single act in history sets the bar for loyalty for all time. We don't have to question his loyalty to us. We don't have to question what kind of um, friendship can we expect with God. That there is a commitment to be 100% loyal for all time. He's not going to bail on us. That's the message of the gospel. You might have friends who will. You might have friends who have. But your relationship with God doesn't have to be that way. If you understand God as being the father who sent his son to die for you, you know he's not about to give up on you. So first thing that we understand about God and his relationship is that he is fiercely, adamantly loyal to us. And then we also said the art of friendship builds up, that it encourages, that it is a good influence on us. It brings life into our lives. That we are better people for hanging around those kind of friends who do that. And good friends talk each other up, we said. They don't build each other, they don't pull each other down when they're not around. They don't talk trash about their friends. Think for a second about how Jesus sees you and I. Yeah, he is aware of our brokenness. He is aware of where we're at, for sure. But his act on the cross, his act of loyalty to us, causes him to see us in totally new light. He sees us as whole. He sees us as redeemed. He sees us as children of God, whole. And so he is fiercely bragging about us around other people. He's the kind of God who's going to do that. Jesus goes around and he talks up us. He's not bringing us down. He's not talking trash. He's not bringing to light all the crap in our lives to other people. That's not what he's about. And again, this is the nature of God. So Proverbs is painting this picture of how God relates to us. And finally, we said that a friend is someone who practices the art of friendship well, someone who is able to offer correction and rebuke and sharpen another friend when that needs to happen. 
even when it hurts, even when it gets awkward and when it gets messy and when it's not fun at all, friends are still willing to do that to each other. Isn't that what Jesus is all about? Isn't that why God sent his Holy Spirit to constantly be working in our hearts, working in our lives, and conforming us and transforming us into his image to become more like the person of Christ? And so that's what this whole Christian life is about. God coming into our lives, filling us, or taking that old life and giving us this new life. Life in him, a life that is in pursuit of the nature and the character of Jesus. When we are practicing friendship well, we are reflecting that God is offering to each one of us. uh, Sorry, when we are practicing friendship well, we are reflecting what God is offering in each one of us. And this is why friendship is such a beautiful thing to behold. This is why something as simple as offering a larger piece of fish to your friends can have such a profound impact. Or why renovating a house in the midst of crisis can cause you to, to, to come to tears. This is why hearing someone talk so positively about someone else can actually give you like a sense of joy and a, a sense of peace. And this is why pursuing meaningful relationships with people is not just a nice perk about our lives, but in a very fundamental way is actually the meaning of life itself. Relationships. That's something I've been working on, something I've been learning lately as I've been studying and just listening to different podcasts and sermons. This idea that the meaning of life is based on, is built around relationships. Because all of these things lead us back to Jesus. All of this, all these traits of what a good friend does shows us what God is like and, and how he relates to us. Now, I know I am well over time, so I'm just going to um, say sorry, and I'm just going to keep plowing away. Uh, I got one more thing to say, and this is something I'm going to close with. Um, it's an interesting story. Bronnie Ware, she's this Australian nurse who spent several years caring for patients in the last 12 weeks of their lives. And as many of her patients approached their final days, she would ask them if they had any regrets about their lives. So the last 12 weeks of their life, she would help them basically die. And in, those t- in that time, she would ask them if they had any regrets. Well, the clarity that, of these patients and what they began to say was so amazing, that stood out so much that she decided to start chronicling them. And they um, basically said five things over and over again. Or those are the top five things anyway that kept showing up. And so she wrote a book about these top five things that people regret. And the number four, the fourth thing was, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. People on death's door, their number, one, number fourth regret was, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. And this is what she writes. She said, often the patient would not truly realize the full benefits of old friends until their dying weeks. And it was not always possible to track them down. Many had become so caught up in their own lives that they let golden friendships slip by over the years. Listen to that. Many had become so caught up in their own lives that they let golden friendships slip by over the years. There were many regrets about not giving friendships the time and effort that they deserved. Everyone misses their friends when they are dying. So my challenge for us this morning is to heed this advice, to heed this warning. And to not let meaningful friendships pass us by. To differentiate between what networking relationships are like and what friendships are like. Networking or self-serving. Networking is, what can you do for me? Friendships are, what can I do for you? 
How can I serve you? How can I give of myself to you in your need and in where you're at? The challenge is to, to not only take stock of those in our lives who we consider our true friends, but to also take stock of who we are, what our character is like toward others. To look at our own sense of loyalty, our influence on others. What kind of influence are we having on people? And, and how courageous are we to call people to grow? And, and to see this all as a smaller picture of the relationship between God and us. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for the gift of friendship that the Bible continue to, um, continues to just talk about all over the place. In Proverbs, um, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, we give you thanks that, there, that it is um, it's such an important element of our lives. And I pray, God, for those in this room that we would be intentional in our friendships and our relationships and that you would honor that, Lord, that you would help us in our growth and help us in how we act toward those around us, those we consider our friends. Thank you, God, for friends. Thank you for their willingness to challenge us, to cause us to grow closer to, um, to, to you and to become like you. And so I ask, God, that you would uh, be with us and, and help us in this community to be mindful of these things this morning as we uh, seek to, to draw closer to you as a community. In Jesus' name, amen.